Royal Citizen, The Arrival, Chapter 37. When Tracy returned from his vacation in Florida, he finished the preliminaries for his security clearance. Then, he began his career as a consultant for the FAA through an independent consulting firm. Unlike many of the previous jobs that catapulted him to this level, Tracy loved every minute. He enjoyed the encouraging environment and the fact his co-workers appreciated his knowledge and experience. At the end of the month, Tracy was paid, which caught him up on his mortgage, utilities, and filled his cabinets and fridge with money to spare. To celebrate, Tracy hopped in his Jeep and headed to Pier 1. There, he got plates to match the chargers he bought months before. As he went through the aisles, Tracy remembered when he first heard the Four Promises in Columbus. He remembered carefully replacing the biscotti candle before he yelled at God as Lynn looked on. Now he was grateful for how much God had blessed him. What about that car you always wanted? He asked. Lord, Tracy said. I just got my first mortgage, started a new job where I actually know what I'm doing, and have finally caught up on my bills. I'm happy where I am, and I'm not looking to add another payment. But what about that car you always wanted? He repeated. Was it some kind of Australian thing? Tracy smiled as the Lord dug into his imagination and knew exactly what Tracy forgot he wanted. It wasn't an Australian thing, Lord. Tracy answered like a little kid being teased. I thought about a Subaru when I was in Australia because it was called an Outback. I liked it because it had all-wheel drive and it would be a good all-around utilitarian vehicle. Yes, and what do you want on it? Well, I travel a lot in the wintertime to see Granny. I know the Outback has a winter package. While the Jeep is nice, electric windows and a sound system with a CD player would be cool. Yes, and what else? Lord, Tracy protested, I'm content where I am. And I'm trying to get out of debt, not add more. But I want to fulfill the desires of your heart, so I am searching it to see what else I can do for you. But, Lord... And Tracy was silenced, because he was adamant. Move your butt out of the way, so that I can bless you. Tracy understood the butt was the butt of his words, because what he had for Tracy was greater than he could imagine. All Tracy had to do was receive what the Lord had for him, and he confirmed this. Do not tie my hands now that we are on a roll. Okay, Lord. I remove the butt. And instantly, Tracy's cell phone rang. Tracy recognized the number. It was the recruiter he worked with through the spring to find a job. Tracy was grateful for his diligent work, so he pulled over to catch the call on the second ring. Tracy parked Bruce in the well-lit parking lot, and he thanked the recruiter. Then Tracy told him he had gotten a job and wanted his name removed. But Tracy told the recruiter he would definitely use him when he looked for his next gig.
and let that job go to someone else more suitable. Tracy prayed. In Jesus' name. Tracy ended the call, put Bruce's clutch in reverse, and looked behind to back up. Stop, he said. Park the car again and look up. Tracy did as he was told. He thought something was wrong until he looked up and saw the huge illuminated Subaru sign and the fact that he was parked in front of the showroom window. Lord, you've got serious jokes. Tell me what you want, he said. Feeling had, Tracy thought he would make this game hard for God. Okay, Tracy decided. I want everything my dad would have, but in my style. That means it would be white, have heated leather seats, a CD changer, a moonroof, but not be an automatic. Which Tracy was sure an Outback couldn't possibly have at the same time. So, I want a stick shift with all those bells and whistles, Tracy decided. Can I help you? A salesman said through the Jeep window. Tracy was startled, but opened his door and got out of Bruce. I think I'm looking for a Subaru Outback, Tracy said. We have many Outbacks, the salesman said. Tracy looked around. None of these speak to me. We have more in the back, the salesman said. What are you looking for? A white one, Tracy said. Okay, I believe we have five in, the salesman said. As they headed to the back lot, Tracy recognized five was the number of grace. When they got there, Tracy saw the white outback scattered among the other colors. Even though Tracy knew where his car was, he thought it would be fun to look at the others along the way. Like the hot-cold children's game, Tracy knew the path, but decided to take his time. The first three white outbacks didn't have sunroofs, and as Tracy passed them, he waved his hand at them. Nope. Nope. Mm, nope, Tracy said, and the salesman looked at Tracy more closely. Over here, Tracy's car said eagerly. Tracy stopped in his tracks and turned to the salesman. Did I just hear that? Tracy asked. The salesman cocked his head and spoke slowly. Uh, I am not sure. Then they went to the fourth white outback that had a sunroof, but the seats were cloth. This is fine, Lord, Tracy said aloud. But not what my father would drive. And Tracy thought of his father's advice. That material will cut you, son. And Tracy laughed out loud. <laughs> Don't make me wait, the car pleaded from the back of the lot. You have got to be kidding me, Tracy said. Now the salesman truly wondered with whom Tracy was speaking, and Tracy answered the salesman by looking him directly in the eye. Well, God saves the best for last. And they went to the last row. There, Tracy's car sparkled like the final reveal in a showcase showdown. Surely, Lord, you are joking, Tracy said, and he walked around the outside. He noticed the moonroof and stick shift and turned to the salesman. I want to test drive it. 
I'll get the keys. And the salesman ran back to the showroom. Tracy opened the door and sat in the beige leather seat. It had the winter package, with heated seats and mirrors, and a rear window defroster, CD changer, electric windows and locks. It also had wood grain trim like Harry's Cadillac. So, Tracy thought it was neat and tidy like his dad, but durable and sporty like himself. That car is not supposed to be unlocked, the salesman yelled louder than he realized. How did you get in the car? It was unlocked, Tracy said, and the salesman handed him the keys. Well, it can't be, the salesman said. Then he tried the doors to the surrounding cars that were locked. In a panic, the salesman went to the other side of Tracy's car, and he tried more locked doors to be sure. Tracy rolled the passenger side window down. Uh, would you like to come with me on this test drive? Tracy asked. The salesman was completely flummoxed and looked at Tracy more closely as he got in the passenger seat. Tracy loved his new car and realized what it meant to have God do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Then, without trading in Bruce and with only $500 down, Tracy drove his white Subaru Outback home that night. On Friday, he headed to West Virginia to visit Granny for Mother's Day in his new Subaru. Hello everyone, Tracy here. I hope you're enjoying my story. We'll let you know how to support this podcast later. But for now, the best thing you can do is follow us and share it with your friends and family. So if you like what you're hearing, please help us out by telling people about it. And thanks again. Then, Tracy returned to his townhouse and spent the summer settling in. As September came, Tracy was given his next directive, which wasn't as pleasant. He was on his way home, although he was stopping by Mama Rose to have dinner. Hey, Tracy, he said. It's time. Tracy let out an audible groan. Oh, really, Lord? Yes, Tracy, he confirmed. Now is the time. And Tracy sighed heavily and took time to meditate on what had to happen before he responded. <sighs> okay, Tracy said. I knew this was coming. I just didn't look forward to it. Now, if you confirm it and set it up, then I won't have any problem doing it. All I ask is that you go before me and make it plain, and that whatever is done in the dark let it be brought to the light. I will, he said. When Tracy arrived at Mama Rose, he found out Bunky and Tori were coming for dinner. As the family ate, Mama Rose confirmed what Tracy was told. Tracy, she said, do you think it's time you reached out to Bobby? Because he was asking about you at the breakfast on Sunday. Mama Rose spoke for Charlie, 
even though he sat and ate at the other end of the table. He actually had the conversation with Bobby. All of the husbands who didn't go to church with their wives met at the same restaurant for breakfast. They arrived just before the first service got out. That way, the food was fresh and hot, and they got a good seat at the window. Then they had two hours for man-gossip, until the second service got out, and they had to beat it back home before their wives got there. Mama Rowe, Tracy said, and he sat back. That is confirmation. So I am ready. That's great, sugar, Rowe said. He says he has some pictures he wants to give you. He thought it best to give them back directly, and I thought so too. Besides, Tracy agreed, we're approaching the anniversary of Freddy's death, and I know he's thinking about that. We're also coming up on Yom Kippur, and we just finished celebrating Rosh Hashanah. Tracy, he interrupted, look at everyone's faces. They have no idea what you're talking about. Feed them slowly. Mm, I do sound crazy, don't I, Lord? And Tracy smiled before he spoke aloud. Hey, guys, Tracy said. The same voice I heard and followed that got me back to Maryland and surprised everyone with getting me the townhouse and the new car? He spoke to me on the way here from work. He told me it was time to meet with Bobby, and Mamaro, you just confirmed it. I also realized the timing not only coincides with Freddie's passing, it lines up with the Jewish holy days of the New Year and Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Charlie, Mama Roe, Bunky, and Tori stared at Tracy because it made such perfect sense. So, yes, Tracy said, I am ready. Just say when. And the silence held for a moment. You ain't gonna break out them knives or any nunchucks, are you? Bunky asked. Bunky, Mama Rose scolded. You just stop it. No, Tracy said easily. This is not that. I won't have to spring any kung fu moves on him. Mercy, Mama Rowe cried. I should hope it doesn't come to that. And she hummed a hard mmm for emphasis. But since you're ready, Mama Rowe concluded, Bobby said you could come over to his house any time after work. He doesn't go anywhere, but he asked you to give him a call before you come. You won't recognize him, Bunky said. I was in the store a while ago, and I heard a familiar voice call me. When I turned around, there was this frail man standing in front of me. I didn't know who it was. And you'll feel pity for him, Tori said. After dinner... Tracy checked in with his father. I don't think that is a good idea, son, Harry said. I wouldn't advise it. Well, Mama Rowe has all but set it up, Tracy said. I can just stop by his house on my way home. You're, you're going to his house, Lynn sputtered from the other line. Why can't you meet him in public? Because you can forgive that man from a distance. You don't need to have to see him at home. That's just ridiculous. Mom, Tracy said calmly, It will be fine. And believe me, Dad, 
This wasn't my idea. Well, son, I understand he is telling you to do this, and he has prepared you. So Harry relented. I guess we should see where this leads. But call me before this happens, so we can pray over it. I will, Dad, Tracy said, and he did. Midweek was close to the time Freddy died, so Tracy called his father. They prayed a prayer of protection, and that anything done in the dark would be brought to the light. The next day, Tracy called Bobby when he was about to leave work. He also stopped by Mama Rose on the way, so she would know where he was. It had been seventeen years since Tracy had left his mother's split-level house when he had milk tea with Granny and Vera, and they laughed at Helen Keller jokes. Now Tracy parked on the street. He walked up the driveway to see the man who may have willfully or inadvertently let his mother die. The lawn was mowed, but there was tall grass and broken cracks of the driveway. Numerous oil stains on the cement hadn't been washed, which was unusual for the mechanic who had kept his cab and cars immaculate. On the walk from the driveway to the front door, Tracy noticed a box of Christmas lights stranded in the unkempt bushes in front of the house. The railing along the front steps was rusty. Cracked caulking squeezed from the window seams, and the aluminum trim was loose with moss growing on it. When Tracy pressed the doorbell, it didn't work. He knocked, and Bobby opened the door a little too soon. Glad you made it, Bobby said. I wasn't sure if you'd remember where the house was. Tracy was immediately put off. Of course he knew where his mom's house was, but Bobby looked tiny and withdrawn. He didn't look the sailor who navigated the world seas in the Navy, had more cars than he could drive in a work week, or captained his yacht on the Potomac to great bravado. However, Bunky and Tory's words hadn't prepared Tracy for what he saw, a scared, sleepless, timid man whose personal lack of maintenance matched his house. Inside the house it was dark, even though it was late afternoon. The carpet rolled with age, and looked not to have been vacuumed for seventeen years. Tracy's wingtip shoes stuck to it as he walked, and the living room was still set up for the Christmas party Vera hosted before she passed. The space where the Christmas tree stood was vacant in front of the picture window. The table that was usually there was still pushed into the corner. The spider plant Vera had kept in the big green pot was long gone. Instead, the holiday candle holders and Christmas candy dish stood next to the empty pot, as if to guard the silence. Then, instinctively, Tracy went to the kitchen. The decorative fork and spoon with his mom's fruit garland were overgrown with hamburger grease and dust and the air was a far cry from the smell of cinnamon toast and milk tea. "'I got some pictures for you,' Bobby said. "'I was going through the photo albums downstairs.' 
Tracy turned back to Bobby. He stood in the gloom of the living room, and Tracy was again taken by how small he was. Yeah, Mama Rowe told me, Tracy said. But before we get to all that, how have you been? I've been trying to hang in there, Bobby said. I haven't had a good night's sleep. And Bobby stopped, and it was as if Tracy wasn't standing in front of him. Since when? Tracy asked. Bobby looked at him. Since Bootsy died. Well, Bobby, that's not good. Nobody should grieve that long. And they headed downstairs to the family room Bobby had finished off for Vera. It was incredibly dark as they descended. Bobby flipped a switch, and two lights came on by the TV. It was the same set with rabbit ears that Tracy and Freddy watched when they were in elementary school. The same brown knitted oval rug they played on as kids lay before it. Bobby took a seat in his orange cloth recliner, which looked like Archie Bunker's. By its vintage, the chair could have watched a current episode, except now it was held together with patches of duct tape. Tracy sat on the couch, but kept forward for fear of what might happen to his suit if he leaned back. Yeah, Bobby said. I keep getting woke up at one o'clock in the morning by these loud noises outside. It's like an army going down the street, and there are helicopter searchlights all around the house. It always happens at one o'clock? Tracy asked. And at three, Bobby said, and Tracy thought this was odd. Those were the times his mom woke up the morning she died, when she asked for more water, and Bobby and Freddy went back to sleep. Tracy got the sense that Bobby was chased by those demons. What do you do about that? Tracy asked. I used to go into the corner and pull the mattress over me, but I got past that. You should probably talk to someone about that, Tracy said, because you should get your sleep. Yeah, I got a prescription I got to pick up at the pharmacy, but I don't have any money. So I have to wait until my check clears. When is that? The end of the month. That's two weeks away. How much is your prescription? Ten dollars. Why? Are you going to pay for it? I believe the Lord will allow me to do that, Tracy said. Oh, the Lord, Bobby said. That's right. I heard about you and... Uh... But Bobby couldn't think of how to say it. The church. I heard that you and Tori go to church all the time with Rosetta. And Bobby turned into his old self a little. If anybody could turn you around, Tori could. And Bobby looked at Tracy, the way he did before he made the boys take their bikes back to Moody's truck. Although uh, she might be too much woman for you. Bobby, Tracy stated, who was so much greater than the little boy Bobby had known. Tori and I are just friends. And Bobby became timid again. Now, how about those pictures? Oh, yeah, Bobby said. Here they are. 
and he reached into the side pocket of his recliner. Bobby pulled out an envelope and sat up to hand it to Tracy. Then Bobby sat back and pulled a steak knife out from under his chair. He placed it on the side table next to an open can of cashews. Tracy wondered if Bobby used the knife to open the can, but it was already open and had a pull tab. Then Tracy opened the envelope and thought they would reminisce, but there were only eight pictures. I didn't come here for eight pictures, did I, Lord? Tracy thought. But maybe he just wants to hear the stories behind them and have a little company. So they went through the pictures and talked like old friends, even though they weren't. They laughed about Freddy's antics, skipped over the bad parts, and managed to pass about fifteen minutes. I got some more upstairs, Bobby said. They're in a plastic baggie if you want to see them. And they went back upstairs to the living room. I've been meaning to clean this house up but I haven't had any gumption to do it. I've also been meaning to get cable installed, but I couldn't get up on the roof. Bobby, Tracy said, the cable people go on the roof when you get it installed. Well, I bought this dish off this guy. I knew all I had to do was point it at the sky, but I couldn't get my buddy to go up on the roof with me and help, so I just let it go. Tracy looked at Bobby in disbelief. Bobby sat down in the corner chair of the living room. Tracy carefully sat on the edge of the love seat and looked at the material. The furniture was the set his mom had wanted for so long and had kept immaculate. Now it was covered with dirt and yet more oil stains. When Tracy looked up, Bobby had forgotten about the other pictures. Instead, he reached under his chair to pull out another steak knife. He placed it on the side table between them, and there wasn't even the charade of cashews to explain the behavior, so Tracy asked, Bobby, are you okay? Yeah, man, Bobby said. Don't mind me. I, I just get scared here all by myself. Well, turn some lights on and get rid of those dark corners. Get yourself some nightlights you can put all over the house. And who's going to pay for all that electricity? By this time, Tracy was done with him. Are you ready to go to the store? Because it's getting late and I have to go to work tomorrow. Yeah, Charlie was telling me about that nice job you got with the FAA. And I heard you bought a brand new townhouse not far from here. So you're doing good. The Lord is good, Tracy said. And he's not finished yet, so let's go get that prescription. Bobby locked up the house. Then they walked down the driveway and got into Tracy's car. Man, Bobby said and inhaled deeply. It still has that new car smell to it. Tracy smiled. Bobby used to get a new car every two years, and Tracy's new Subaru was all he could talk about. These leather seats are heated, Bobby asked. And the mirrors have defrosters in them, too. 
As they drove, Tracy realized that was why the Lord got him a new car before he had to this meeting. A meeting with the man who told him he would never amount to anything. But that was all water under the bridge, and Bobby was the worse for it. Hey, you should come round sometime, Bobby said, after Tracy dropped him off. I don't live too far away, Tracy said. But I'm getting busy with some projects. Well, if you can, Bobby said, and went into his dark house and didn't turn on any lights. When Tracy got home, he called his father. Son, Harry said, and he was upset. I don't want you going there any more. It bothers me to hear that is what you went through. You are my son, not his, and you need to tell Mama Roe about this, too. Which Tracy did. He did what? Mama Roe screamed. He used me to set you up, and then pulled steak knives out on you? Oh, no, Shug. You ain't ever going back over there again. We're done with that man for good. And they were. In February, Bobby's son David called Tracy at work. Hey, buddy, David said. I don't want to bother you, but I think you should know Bobby died. I'm going to have to go view the body to identify it. I'm sorry to hear that. And Tracy thought a moment. But you shouldn't have to do that alone. Oh, I'll be all right, David said. He wasn't your father. But I'm your brother, and I'm going with you. Well, and David sighed, we have to go to Lynchburg. Why do we have to go there? Because that's where he died, David said. Oh, Tracy said, because he knew anything with Bobby was complicated, even if he was dead. You can tell me on the way, Tracy decided, and David did. Bobby visited his girlfriend for Valentine's Day, which was why David got the call from the hospital in Lynchburg, Virginia. So that night, Tracy, David, and his wife drove through the night in David's black SUV. They got up early in the motel in Lynchburg, and David's wife needed some caffeine before they went to the funeral home. I need to stay awake, she said at the coffee shop. Then she looked at Tracy. And you look like you need one, too. That's probably too strong for me, Tracy said. Caffeine really affects me. I probably shouldn't. Get out, David's wife said, and hit Tracy's arm hard. You just let me. And she stepped up to the counter. Yes, this man wants a mega supercharged latte. Which Tracy finished before they reached the funeral home, and he was affected. After David and Tracy identified the body, they met Bobby's girlfriend, who was forty years Bobby's junior. Then David, his wife, Tracy, and Bobby's girlfriend sat in front of the funeral director's desk. As the director spoke of transportation matters, he handed David a small bag with Bobby's personal effects. As the funeral director continued, 
David went through the bag and handed each item to his wife, one of which was a prescription bottle. High out of his mind on caffeine and sugar, Tracy feverishly sought out the contents listed on the bottle of pills. He thought they would be blue, but these pills were pear-shaped and yellow. Hmm. C-I... Tracy thought as he read. But her thumb is in the way. What is that other letter? An L. Tracy screamed and turned to David. Now! What's he doing taking a sex drug? He's not supposed to be taking that. He has a heart condition. Calm down, Tracy, David said. What are you talking about? That's the new weekend sex drug, Tracy said rapidly in caffeine mode. You could take a Friday night and be good Sunday all the way up to when you have to go to work Monday morning. But Bobby's not supposed to be taking those while he's on heart medication, which I know for a fact he's on, because I tried to drown his nitroglycerin pills a long time ago. David's wife stared at Tracy, but David asked, but why would he be taking a weekend sex drug in the first place? Well, David's wife said, It was Valentine's Day. And she shot her husband a look with a neck crook. Which would have been nice, she said, because Bobby's death had messed up her plans. But that doesn't make any sense, David said. Oh, yes, it does, Tracy said who realized there was a fourth person in the room. Then David, his wife, and Tracy simultaneously turned to look at Bobby's girlfriend, who shifted in her chair and was Valentine's Day red. I got to go, Tracy said, jumped up, and got back to David's car before he fell apart from laughing. David and his wife soon joined Tracy, and they commenced to hootin' and hollerin'. Then David opened the bottle to check the pills, but there were others wrapped in foil inside. When he unwrapped those, they were blue, which made them laugh and rock the black SUV harder. Finally, David screamed the truth. Pops didn't die of a heart attack. He died of a hard-on. And that was the end of Bobby. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you would like to purchase the book, Dual Citizen, it is available on Amazon. Be sure to search for Dual Citizen the Connection. All three books, The Connection, The Training, and The Arrival, are available in print as well as on Kindle. Dual Citizen, The Connection, is also available on Audible. So, if you would like to skip ahead and see how everything turns out, feel free. But don't tell your friends the ending. Thanks again, and we hope everyone will find their place at the table.